square fielder. He's gone to the dogs. Welcome once again to the Gone to the Dogs podcast. This is Steve Fielder coming at you one more time through the miracle of Al Gore's internet. And man, do I have a great show for you today. I've got to round it up a couple of guys that I've, I've wanted to talk to uh, here on the podcast for a long time. And um, we'll get into all that in just a minute. Before we do, I want to just take a brief second to thank our sponsors, the W Hunting Supply Group out in Washington State and in Oregon, uh, Buddy Woodbury, Jason Doobie, those guys with W Hunting Supply. They have virtually anything you need for your dogs or for your own uh, use. Uh, uh, they have some great uh, clothing items, T-shirts, hats. Give them a look there online at WHuntingSupply.com, or it may be come up easier with just DUSupply.com. Uh, I also want to mention real briefly that we're still doing these weekly spins on Facebook for the Zepp Lifetime Coon Squalor. My good friend Mark Zepp uh, builds his squalor or has it built. It's an all-metal squalor. It has three reeds and a nice lanyard. It's a lifetime uh, design. I've had one for several years. Uh, and uh, they work great. But anyway, we're giving away one of those every week on a Wheel of Name spin that we do, uh, kind of a raffle-type thing. And there's a question of the week, and it's posted on my Facebook page, Stephen F. Fielder. You can see the question of the week on there. Answer it correctly. You send your answer by private message. We'll put your name on the wheel. And when we spin it, if your name comes up, you win it. You win the squalor, you win a, a sticker, a Gone to the Dogs sticker for your truck or, or your dog box. You also win a nice lanyard from W Hunting Supply. So anyway, that's all the commercials I've got. The bills are paid, and I'm going to get to talking to these boys. Now, this last week, this, this prior episode, went down to the state of Alabama via, uh, via the telephone and talked with Clint Chase. Clint was a great guest for us. We've gotten really good reviews on Clint's uh, uh, podcast with us. want to thank him again for that. And in that podcast, he mentions one of our guests today. And we're going to get into that in just a minute. But I've known these fellows for a long time. In fact, one of them was just very small when I first met him. And then, of course, I met his dad, uh, probably met uh, Jamie through our mutual friend, Mike Harrell. But anyway, I want to set that up uh, in just a second here, but I want to introduce to my audience Jamie Perrin and his son, Trey Perrin. How you guys doing? Uh, uh, doing good. Doing good, man. It won't be long till we'll be back at the White River, kicking back, telling lies. Sounds great. Tree and a few yeah, coons. Some ch cool weather. Chasing old Buster all over 40 acres. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in more than 40 acres. <laughs> I tell you what, that dog took me places I'd never been in the White River. 
He'll introduce you to new territory, won't he? Yes, sir. <laughs> well, guys, it's great to to have you on. And, and as I mentioned there, uh, Clint Chase in his uh, podcast talked about a situation where he had a dog uh, that got killed, uh, got hurt, injured, whatever, and died. And, Jamie, he mentioned the fact that you let him have a female named Little Bit. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah, he he was very, very uh, thankful for for that. And uh, and it got me thinking. I said, man, I need to get Jamie and, and Trey on here. We haven't talked to them. And so just kind of want to get into things with you. And, Jamie, uh, since you're the elder uh, of this pair, uh, you've still got a full head of hair. I'm kind of envious of that, although it is it is <laughs> kind of turning gray, white. Right? <laughs> but uh, and thin, and thin, and thin a little bit. Yeah, thin a little bit. <laughs> well, you don't know what that's all about. You, that started for me when I was about 23. Uh, let's, for the record, Trey, how old are you? I'm 31. 31, just a kid, man. Let's see, I got you about 45 years. Think about that. 45 years. Well, Jamie, I was trying to think back before we got in, uh, got the mic uh, turned on here today, when we met, but I'm going to say it was probably at Black and Tan Days, but it could have been when I went to PKC. Do you remember? Uh, it was either Black and Ten Days. No, you were still with UKC. Was it the Black and Ten Days or yes. maybe yeah. Autumn Oaks, UKC World Hunt, something like that Yeah, nature. one of those, I'm, I'm sure. And, you know, um, we talked last week in the episode with Clint about how important relationships are and how the friends that we make in coon hunting really are the most important part. The dogs are great. The hunts are great all that goes with it, but it's really the people that we meet and all. And I know about the time that I met you, Jamie, um, you had a friend there in uh, in Flora, Illinois, Mike Harrell, and you and Mike were partners on a dog. And I want to talk about that for sure. I want to talk about yes, Ann and, and uh, let you tell the listeners about her. She was... She was, uh, as the old saying, all that in a bag of chips back in the day when she was hunting the hunts. But let's go back to Jamie Perrin's experience in coon hunting. Uh, when did that start for you, Jamie? Uh, my dad was a coon hunter, and I started real young. Uh, he would take me every once in a while when I was probably about five years old, I'd say. Wasn't that about the age you started taking Trey? No, he was way sooner than that. He was in diapers. I had to take the diaper bag with me <laughs> when I was carrying him. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, you mentioned earlier you do have another son, but like yes, my son, I guess, he, he hasn't followed in that uh, coon hunting No, nope, Cody, uh, Cody missed the bullet. <laughs> yeah, he dodged it. He dodged that coon hunting bullet. Uh, okay. Yes, sir. All right. Well, it's you and your wife, and you operate a business there just outside of Birmingham, right? Yes, sir. Now, is that mailing address there where your business is, is that Chelsea or is that Birmingham? 
No, that's a Birmingham address. Okay, I thought so. Right there on Highway 280, right in the thick of things. Yep, it's just rural Shelby County, but it's still Birmingham address, but it's it ain't much rural anymore. No, for sure. Just in my experience of going to Nubbins and traveling through there, you know, now for several years, I've, I see it growing right before my eyes. Uh, oh, yes. Tell tell the listeners a little bit about your business. What do you do there? Well, my dad uh, bought a country convenience store that was really, really in the boonies about 1959. Mm-hmm. And when he started... He had $200, and his dad had his own business. He was in, he had a, my granddad had a beer joint, for lack of a better term. That's what we called them back in West Virginia. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. And uh, he told my dad, uh, whenever he bought this store, he had $200. He said, you'll never make a go at it, Jim. And my dad did. He fixed flats and, you know, Full service gas station and any, you know anything he could do to make you know make a dollar you know to make ends meet and all and mm-hmm. worked very very hard and you know made a go of it. Well, for sure, and you know I I look at there where your business is and it it's got to be an absolute prime piece of real estate there, uh, right on the main highway there coming from Chelsea into Birmingham and. Uh, uh, just a bustling, bustling area, for sure. And uh, well, so that so then uh, as time went on, then you uh, stepped into the ownership of the business, I guess. Yes, sir. I started working there when I was seven. I had to uh, sit on my knees on a stool to reach the register. And so I've been working there 52 years, but, you know, my dad had the forethought, you know, to see that we had to expand and, you know, get into something different. And we got into the landscape supply business, which was, you know, all his idea. Yeah. I would say probably around 1980 plus or minus a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right along in there, and you know, if we hadn't diversified, you know, we couldn't we couldn't have stayed there. But you know, it's been very you know very good to us. We worked very hard. But, you know, it's it's been very good to us. Well, uh, the harder you work, the luckier you get, right? Oh yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> for sure. Well, Jamie, I you know I don't want to blow your head up too big here on this podcast, but I also do want to thank you how generous and. And uh, accommodating you've always been to me and to Nubbin. And, you, oh, man, I could just write a whole big list of things. Uh, usually, <laughs> I hate to say this because other people will be showing up on your door <laughs> expecting the same. But I never go by there, folks, that I don't leave with more than I came with. And it's usually something really good to eat. But also, Nubbin and I have been blessed by using your four-wheelers on, or your side-by-sides a couple different times at the White River. And, and I know Philip Heron over there at Marianne, Arkansas, uh, with the Black and Tan Reunion, uh, really appreciate you because every year you're over there cooking and, and doing all that. Uh, well, talk about that just a little bit. Well, very fortunate uh 
Mr. Philip Heron has become a great friend for many, many years. Uh, the reunion was kind of fizzling out at White River a little bit. And, you know, as far as the, you know, people putting it on. And Philip started having the reunion at Mariana, Arkansas, at a Methodist youth camp that we rent that's on uh, Bear Creek Lake. And it's just a beautiful place, and it has a bunch of cabins. It'll probably, oh, I'd say it would easily sleep 50 people probably, mm-hmm. maybe 60, and it has a big commercial kitchen. And uh, the church owns it, and it, they've been very you know, very good to us over the years. We've probably been going there, oh, I'd say better than, I'd say close to 30 years before time yeah. gets away. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's away. Now, your friend there, Mr. Duke, has, has been a yes, help sir. to you there as well. Yes, hey? sir. Oh, yes. Big help. He uh, hauls for us. He has his own duck truck, but you know, he's a lifelong friend. Uh, my dad and his dad were, you know, great friends through the years. And, you know, we kind of grew up together. Ricky's a little older than me, but, you know, we've known each other all our life. And, yeah. you know, he loves to go to the reunion and help cook and all and, you know, off to the hunts and stuff and all. And, and he's not as much into coon hunting now, but he's he's really into squirrel sure. hunting. Yeah, yeah. Well, there again, we one day we were able to come down to the hunting camp where you and Ricky were there, and you yes, guys sir. were doing some squirrel hunting that day, I think. And Nubbin and I had, and I believe, I think Durkey was Durkey was with us. I think Keith Durkey, uh, maybe or, uh, or Jerry no. Hannah was with y'all. I'm not sure if Durkey was there. No, who Durkey was may it? have been there also. Jerry Hanna was yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jerry. That's Dirty who may have been also, I'm not sure. No, I I think you're right, uh, for sure. Well, that, you know, it's in this ga- game of life, you know, the more we give, uh, the more we receive, it seems like. And uh, I know you've been a giver, uh, Jamie, and. Uh, and it shows, and I know the pre- people appreciate it. I can remember Nubbin telling me about one time where the group from his church, I think, went over to that youth camp and uh, and put a deck or something on that. Yes, they put they, a back deck on there, a really nice back yeah. deck. Yeah. Well, I was privileged to go over there. I think I've been there twice, but maybe just yes, one. sir. Yeah, and I think uh, you've been there twice. I yeah, think. and really, really enjoyed it. That black and tan reunion. It's by invitation, uh, so you got to be a pretty good guy to get an invitation. I don't know how Nubbin and I got in on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I want everybody to know. I think the world of Nubbin. He's like my second dad. He's he's taught me a lot, not just hunting wise, but you know just. Just in the in in life itself. There's none finer. I I enjoy his friendship so very much, and Clint and I oh, talked yes, about sir. that last week. So I don't want to swell old Nubbin's head up too big. Oh no, uh, you know, he, but he's but a good one for sure. He is absolutely. As we used to say back home, and I don't know where it saying came from. It's Somebody's all wool in the yard wide. Well, that's him. <laughs> he, he's he's a good one. Well, Trey, yes, we sir. haven't let you talk much, and we're going to get back to your dad here in just a second. But <laughs> Trey, I want to talk to you a little bit about how did this coon hunting bug hit you? You just ever since you can remember, or what? 
Yes, sir. Pretty much. I just remember, you know, my dad hauling me around with him and I don't even know if I could walk when he started to carry me. My mom was always worried about me going off with him, but I didn't want it any other way. Yeah. Well, I can remember, and I've kidded you about this before, at Black and Tan Days or or maybe it was at Autumn Oaks or it might have been, uh, well, I think a little later on maybe at, at Aurora, but this this uh, fellow with the, uh, the high-pitched voice, you could hear him all over the clubhouse. <laughs> and he was little, but he was loud, and he was right in the <laughs> middle of everything that was going on. He might have been young, but he was he had a grip on it. He, you were handling a dog. You were hunting. You were doing. When did you first handle a dog in a hunt, Trey? Gosh, I really don't know. I mean, I would have probably been six or seven years old, maybe. I mean, I was very small, very young. Yep, I remember that so very well. And uh, as you get older, like me, you know, the memories become all that more important because that's about all you got. Yeah, <laughs> you're not out there making new ones at a very rapid clip. That's for sure. But gee, there's so many things I want to talk to you all about. But Jamie, I want to talk to to you a little bit about your coon hunting experience and then how you settled in. And I know that you don't just hunt black and tan dogs, but you've been pretty well known for your black dogs. Uh, and I think probably down deep that's probably still your favorite breed. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but no, sir. When did that all breed. start for you? Well, my dad hunted black and tan to, black and tan dogs, and that's just just how I got started. And we had a he had a good friend, Doctor uh, Bob Porter, that hunted black and tans, and you know just you know just fell into it and just you know learned to love the breed and all, and just been fortunate. I've had some very good ones, and I've had some not so good ones, but you know that's. That's my breed of preference. I'm hunting a darn old walker dog now, but uh, <laughs> I would sure love to have me a good black one again. Oh, I'm I'm sure, and I I can remember hunting with some good ones. I that you had, I did not get to hunt with the and female. Tell us about a lot of people will remember, especially in PKC, you and and Mike Harrell, and the did you call her Ann or Annie? Uh, he, he called her Ann, I called her Annie. Yeah, yeah. Tell, tell us about her and that relationship with Mike and so forth. Well, um, it started a friend of ours, Chuck West from Tennessee. He's since passed away, but he was a great friend and great friend of Mike's. And he'd been up with Mike's, you know, he'd go at least once or twice a year and hunt for a week with Mike. And he told me, he said, that's the best one I ever hunted with. Mike said that's the best he's ever had, and I agree with him. Boy, she's she's a dandy. And um, he's telling me, he said, boy, you ought to see if you get Mike to sell her. And so I pursued it, and Mike said he would, and he priced her. And we were at Autumn Oaks. I had hunted the night before and was going to hunt a different dog the next night. Back then, you could only hunt, you know, one dog one night. Right, right. And Mike had hunted the night before, and one of these cats but just had like a low score. So Mike and I went out together, you know, check Annie out, and she looked terrible. <laughs> she, she, oh, she looked terrible. So I didn't buy her. And just a couple of weeks later, Chuck and I were at the zones, 
and we got beat as usual. And he said, I'm telling you, I don't care what she done that night. That's the one, I'm telling you. So I called, when I got home, I called Mike again. And he said, yeah, he'd tell her. Well, the next day he called back and he said, "Uh, well, I had a pretty decent little hunt, you know, last night and all, but said, I just didn't sleep none. He said, I told you I'd tell her and I will tell her. I'm a man of my word. But he said, boy, I wish I hadn't never told you that. Said, you know, I just really don't want to sell her, but you know, I, like like I said, I will. And uh, I said, well, you know, hey, ain't no problem, ain't no problem. I said, have you ever thought about selling half of her? And I'd never owned half of a dog with anybody other than my dad. Right. And he said, I don't know, I don't know. Let me think on that. And Mike and I had known each other for twenty years prior to that, probably. Mm-hmm. You know, fifteen, twenty at least. And they'd hunted together. You know, I'd go up early at Black of Ten Days, which was at their club a lot. And we hunted a good bit together. And uh, he called me back an hour or two later and said, yeah, he guess he'd sell me half of it, but I had to come up and hunt with her. And I said, Mike, we're really busy. I'm just going to send you a check. Mm-hmm. And and my dad advised against it. He was, he was totally against it. But um, I sent Mike a check for half. And uh, we never had a crossword. I mean, we he kept her and hunted her part of the time, you know. And when he would be busy, I'd have her down here hunting her and vice versa. And when it get too rough up there to hunt, I'd have her. And, you know, just never had a crossword. Mm-hmm. Right. And well, worked perfect. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, as, as many listeners especially – Around Flora and in the black and tan breed and so forth and PKC know that Mike passed away and and he he really it was um a tragedy because he was still a young man when he passed. Oh, how, yes. how old was Mike when he died? I Do wanna say Mike was uh forty eight. Yeah. Forty nine maybe. Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I wanna say that he he was a young man. And, you know, we had a lot of good dogs together off of Annie and dogs we had bought and stuff. And, you know, I want everybody to know that he was a coon hunter of the bunch. Now, he was a dog trainer. <laughs> he, he was good with them young dogs and old dogs. And, you know, he made Annie what she was and, and the rest of them, too, because, you know, he was a real coon hunter and a woodsman and a great guy. But uh, they had a little community uh, breakfast house most of the farmers ate at, you know, about every morning before they get started working. And uh, they went many mornings went by that, you know, somebody would say, Mike, you got a dog treat east of my barn or west of my pond or south mm-hmm. of my house or whatever, you know, and that'd be six o'clock in the morning. And, you know, at his house, they got to see the sun come up just just nearly every morning. <laughs> well, you know, I remember Mike because he was a good friend with one of my friends, was Mr. Everett Weems there from Salem, Illinois. Yes, sir. The plot man, and plot people will remember Everett very, very well. He's probably the the most recognized uh, plot breeder in the history of that breed and had more dogs in the Hall of Fame and 
and he and my dad had a lot in common, and they were the same age, and they got together and did some breeding and all that. So we really loved Everett, and Mike would be my, as Everett got up in age, Mike would keep me informed about how Everett was doing and and all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he and Everett was tight. Yeah, they they really were. And, you know, uh, while we're on this this subject of people and and all, thanks to you and Trey, you know, we got the invite to go up at the the PKC World Hunt here about three years ago and stay with Mike's mom and dad, Mm -hmm. Ed and Wanda Harrell. And what a wonderful time I had up there and – and I got to go out with Ed, who was at that time in his 80s. I don't know. How old is Ed right now? Do you know? 86, I think. 86. Well, he would uh, – uh, we were hunting this walker dog, my buddy Mac and I, and, and Mac would be out on the early round. Well, then Ed was <laughs> guiding two rounds every night of the world hunt out of Flora. They'd send the cast over, so I said, well, I'll just go with you, Ed, and sit in the truck. And We had a lot of good conversations, and we had some good naps, too. <laughs> oh, yes, sir. He, but, he, he loved it. Oh, yeah, what sweet, sweet people they are. So, Oh, yeah, they're family. Yeah, I, I see that for sure, and they think the world of you. Well, oh, we thank the world of them. Yeah, for sure. These are the kind of people— that will, you know, leave really big holes one day when they're no longer around because oh, they, yes, just, sure. they just make such an impact on us. Well, to so that our listeners will know and, and all, and then we'll, we'll talk about Annie some, but we mentioned that Mike had passed away. He had, was it an aneurysm or something like that, wasn't it? No, stroke. No. A stroke, okay. Yep. He had one bad one, and then he had another one several several months later. He never did really cover 100% mm-hmm. by any means, but, you know, he got better. And then he had another really bad one at the World Hunt in Aurora, Kentucky. Well, it just Jason, sh- wasn't at the World Hunt. Well. It was a breeder showcase. Trey uh, yeah. thinks it's a breeder showcase, okay. but anyway, it was a big hunt at Aurora, uh-huh. and he never they never carried recovered. him. They carried him to hospital up there, and then they flew him to Nashville and um, to the um, Vanderbilt Hospital, mm-hmm. and just never recovered. Yeah, it's it was a sad day for all of us for sure. Well, this ain't yes. a female. That you and Mike owned together. What was her breeding, Jamie? Uh, she was out of two registered dogs. Uh, her dad was out of Fiddler. Mm. Tam Young's her, Fiddler dog. Yes. And her mom was out of uh, Big Time Albert breeding. Okay. Gene Hicks stuff. And that dog yeah, originally but, came from Dr. Porter, didn't he? Or, or, no, he or, came from a great friend of ours, Doug Cox, that handled Doug Dr. Cox, Porter. that's right. D- that's Doug right. raised and trained Albert who was almost two years old and um, decided to sell him. He would get one up and going and doing real good and, and sell them and he was good with them, you know, good with young dogs. And I had a dog named Broadway Joe about the same age. Mm-hmm. 
at that time, or I would have bought Big Time Albert. Big Time Albert was really nice, and both of them were, you know, comparable. Mm-hmm. But uh, Gene came down, and and Nathan Thornhill was telling Gene about him, and Nathan came with Gene, and it was a horrible night, raining, thunder, and lightning. I don't think they ever made a tree, but and Doug said, "Well, you know, good, he ain't gonna buy my dog, and and darn if Gene didn't buy him." <laughs> Yeah, Gene, that's another legend that's getting up in age, you know, and uh, has made a tremendous impact. Gene Hicks and I first met when I was a field rep back in about 1978. And he was up at Rogersville, Tennessee, at an RQE showing an old dog called Thunder Mountain Mingo, a long-eared black and tan. Yes, I remember seeing all kind of pictures of Mingo. He was a beautiful hound. You didn't. Oh yes. You weren't accustomed to seeing those real long-eared dogs, you know, back at that time. But he was put together the way a hound should be, and that friendship oh, yeah. with with Gene, you know, uh, has lasted through the years for me too. And we've had so many great conversations. And he was high on those Albert dogs now. Oh yes, sir. <laughs> For sure. Yes, sir. And well, I'll say this, uh, two-time yeah. was an outstanding hound. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was probably his favorite. You know, yeah. I had a big-time Albert, sure. and he was really yeah. a good hound. Two-time Albert. Yeah. That was an unusual name for a dog. Well, Trey, oh, yes. still, you've heard these stories, I know, and we're going to Yeah, I've heard them a time or two. We're going to get to you here in a minute because you've got a lot to say, and I want you to say it. But I want to, before we get off Annie, uh, Jamie, tell the listeners a little bit about this Annie female, what what she was like. Well, she was a really good strike dog, a really good track dog. Had a really good mouth. It wasn't just overpowering, but it carried really, really well. And she could trick whom... 10 yards, 50 yards, 100 yards, or two miles, whatever, you know, Mm. just whatever it took. When I first got her, we have a really, really big creek we hunt on. And the first night I ever hunted her, she got to that creek and went, you know, the coon cross the creek. And she went down the creek and back up the creek and down the creek. And I met her when she was coming back. And it was real warm, so I just kind of eased her off in the water. And, you know, that was more water than she'd ever seen in her life. And I thought, Lord, what have I got here? And uh, she mm-hmm. came out. Of, you know, I walked her about halfway across it and, you know, gave her a little encouragement. She came out on the other side and went left. 50, 75 yards, didn't strike it. Come back to the right. Well, 30, 40 yards, struck it and tread it up on the hillside and treated it and had it and from then on, you know, she was an excellent water dog. <laughs> you know, she just just had had the sense, but um, she had a lot of good good features. But um, I'd say as good a nose as as any hound I've hunted with, and not you know not take all night to to do something with those bad tracks. Uh, and, accuracy you know, the, was good too. Oh yeah, have, have the coon on the outside. Yeah. And she had something that uh, I guess Mike had kind of instilled in her. I don't know how or why, but say you treat a coon and you cut loose off that tree. If those other dogs went back to that tree, 
I don't know how or why, but she would tree a coon on them every time, just right there close by. And they would be, they, you know, that put them to really, really hurting because, you know, they'd get deleted and she'd have another coon. Mm -hmm. Seemed like she (laughs) totally won their pocket when they'd done that. Yeah. Well, you know, I've had this conversation with some guys, and one of them is, is Randy Smith up in Pennsylvania, I mentioned quite often, but talking about these dogs today that get into the the next zip code, so to speak, but when they get in there and they trick a coon, then they get in to more coons in there, it seems like, you know. Uh, yes, sir. And and, and they kind of seek out new territory and pick what's over there. While well, these other dogs back here don't know <laughs> what's going on. Trey, maybe you can jump in on that. Do you see that? And Trey, I will tell the audience here that you hunt in several of these pro sport hunts and bigger hunts. You and your dad both, and you hunted against and with some of the big winning dogs, and you've done some winning yourself. Uh, what Do you see that in the hunts that you attend? Yeah, I do. You know, from what what I see now, if you go to these big hunts, one thing that sticks out to me is if you make a mistake, you make a slick tree, something like that, in one of these big hunts, you're just about out. Mm-hmm. You know, you, when you go to these bigger hunts, they, dogs treating two and three coons of cats, they're not making no mistakes. Yeah, they're not very forgiving, are they? These bigger uh, hunts. You, you, today. Make, you take a hundred, you take a hundred call minus in the wrong direction, or get a slick tree. It's it's not looking in your favor at all. Well, that's a good lesson, I think. You know, I heard John Wick tell the kids one time. I had a a youth event in Tennessee down at oh, I can't remember the club. I think it was Allen Roberts Club, but. Uh, and I had John Wick there to talk to the kids, and he said, now, when you go out there tonight, kids, don't put my uh, undeserved minus points on your dog, you know, and I think that's a good lesson for anybody, you know, and these hunts have, have changed, and I think the type of dogs that we are hunting nowadays have been probably the reason for the change, but it used to be back in the days when everything packed up, Everybody was gunning for that first tree, and that's where a lot of guys made the mistake, you know, pulling the trigger too quick. It's not quite that way now, is it? No, sir, it's not. Well, Jamie, um, and uh, what what were some of the some of her biggest accomplishments when you and Mike had her? Uh, she won, I think. Second Grand Night Champion at Black and Ten Days uh, when she had just turned three, and uh, she won um, first. She won second on Friday night and first on Saturday night, and uh, she won uh, Grand Night Champion of the Breed of Winter Classic time or two, I think, and uh, she won. Um, Third in the AKC World Hunt, second in the PKC Nationals. <laughs> uh, this is a black Alabama, and tan, guys. Listen to Alabama, that. Alabama State Hall of Fame. Uh, mm-hmm. One year she would have won the state hunt at Alabama, but uh, my dad was sick, so we didn't go Friday night. And Yankee Ryan, a good friend of ours that hunted dogs for us, was supposed to hunt her. 
Friday night. Back then, you had to hunt both nights to be eligible. They didn't combine your scores, but you mm-hmm. had to hunt both nights for the dog to be eligible. Well, Trey drew three Purina Point guys uh, that night, and uh, she had 900 on four and, would, you know, would have been the state champion. And he was uh, like eight years old, and she's, you know, she's the same age as him. <laughs> so, uh, and one particular time, uh, you know, he had 225 on Coon and then first strike on the next one. And the other dogs ran out there and treated just a little ways. And the judge asked him two or three times, he said, son, why don't you treat your dog where we can go on? And wasted time. He said, Mr. Judge, Annie's just a little past them. She, I don't think she's with them, and she's training. She's not treat. And he, a minute or so later, he'd ask him the same thing. He said, no, sir, she's not treat. And then a few seconds later, she got treat. And he said, Mr. Judge, he said, I want to treat Annie. And I'm not sure, but she may not be with y'all's dogs. And she was just like 100 yards past them. <laughs> and they were slick, and she had the coon. But, you know, he, he knew her as good as me or Mike knew her. There you go. At eight years old. Eight years old. Is that the truth, Trey? Yeah, yeah, I'm afraid <laughs> so. I hunted with her a lot. That's we, awesome. You know, yeah, I, she, I, she, you know, if I pulled ahead. up short, that was one thing she was going to go on. Yeah. She didn't make a slick tree. She wasn't perfect. But, you know, if she uh, wasn't going to tree with them, just because they were treed. Well, isn't it great, though? I know you've got to feel this way. I'm going to put you on the spot. But isn't it great to know that you have those memories of hunting with her? It is. I mean, I'm kind of have to do it backwards in the way most people. I started out with the best dog that I'll ever ever have to hunt, you know. She's my measuring stick. And, I mean, I was just a kid then. But, I mean, I know that I had nothing that was as good as her since then and probably won't. Well, they say that you know you have that dog of the li- of a lifetime, and uh, I don't know uh, if I'm going to get mine. I better get it pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've had a lot of good ones. Well, I've had some that were decent, you know, but not on the big stage like that. But everybody associated Annie with you and Mike Harrell, the two of you together, and. And she was well, well recognized as being a big winner. And I was kind of in the thick of things back in those days from a different perspective. But I watched her, you know, her name came up a lot. And she got her picture yep. taken a lot. And she was was a great one. Well, uh, yeah, let me mention something yeah, else. Sure. You there? Uh, yeah, I'm here. Okay. She, uh, her first PKC hunt Mike ever hunted her in mm-hmm. was Walker Days. Okay. And uh, Thursday night, she was high-scoring dog early. And Mike and I would make them hunt it off because from 2 o'clock to daylight, when she's in her prime, she just couldn't hardly be beat. Well, he won, he won all their money, Calcutta and added and everything Thursday night. About $2,500, best I remember, which was a lot of money back then. Oh, yeah. Well, Friday night, the same thing. High scoring early, made them hunt, won all their money. <laughs> well, let's see. Let me back up. Let me back up. Cracker was Cracker was in on Friday night. Silver dollar all, Cracker. He was all time money winning dog. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was about an hour and a half from Mike's house 
that around Red Lake where Dave Dubers was from. Right. And uh, Mike, it was raining and storming and all, and Mike made them hunt Friday night. Well, some of the big-time guys was around, Walker guys and all, was around, and uh, some of them told me later, said, they uh, asked Dubers who was going to win. They said, that little farm boy there with that black and tan bitch is the best thing in this country. said, he's, she's going to go through them like a dose of crocodile. He said, what do you mean? He said, crackers in that cast. He said, boys, I'm telling you, they don't have a prayer. Well, Annie had 600 on three, and they made a sachet by the truck, and cracker and two more was underneath the truck, it thunder and lightning and raining. And they split second, third, and fourth. Well, yeah. Saturday night rolled around. Annie was high-scoring dog early. It was going to take him hunting, but our good friend Steve Gamble was in the cast mm-hmm. and had a really nice female. What was his female's name? Boy, she was a good one. Uh, I don't uh, Sally? Sally. Yeah. Yep, Sally. Well, she was about to come in heat, and there was a male dog that was on three legs. He'd been in a fight. And Stephen talked Mike in the split. So they split that night. But, you know, we we got about, you know, between the two of us, we got about 6,500 or so that weekend, that Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. That's going into the enemy camp, into Walker yes, days. <laughs> That's for sure. They asked, they asked Jubers, uh, how come he didn't own her if she's so good? And he said, because I don't have enough money. <laughs> The late Dave Juvers, what a character he was, and uh, yep. the sport will miss him for sure. Oh, yes. Well, you know, there's so many memories, so many great stories, and uh, uh, hey, man, the old saying is, I think they attributed that maybe to Yogi Bear, or maybe he said, it ain't bragging if you can do it. Yes, so, sir. hey, you take, a, you take a black dog and go into Walker Days and make that kind of <laughs> splash. You've done something. You can, you can talk about it, and and nobody will accuse you of bragging on that for sure. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's great that you had that. How old did Annie live to be and what happened to her? She died at about 10 and a half. Um, mm-hmm. She, um, you know, we still hunt her fairly regular. And just let her run loose here in the yard. And uh, we live on a little M road, and she'd go across the street. And uh, neighbors got a trailer that's up off the ground that was good and cool on there. And she liked to go, go over there in the summertime. And the neighbor said, Oh, she ain't bothering nothing. And she'd sleep by that trailer during the day when it was good and cool. And, and she died in her sleep under, the, under their trailer. How about that? Well, God bless her. That's a way for a good one to go. You know what? Oh, yes, she had many hard miles on her. (laughs) Oh, I imagine. Well, you know, I tell you what, folks, it's it's very sobering when you look. If you knew Mike Harrell here, he was this slim, trim, you know, southern Illinois farm boy, as you say, and looked like he was in the best of health and best of condition, you know, and it just, you just never know, do you? Yes, never know. That's a fact. Well, Trey, you – well, I, I keep wanting to get into that, and then I keep thinking of something else with your dad. <laughs> but uh, uh, the last dog that I – well, I've hunted with several of your dogs now, but I hunted with that trip female. Mm-hmm. Tell me about her a little bit. Yes, yeah, 
she come from uh, Matt Wagner uh, right up the road here from us. Um, you know, he's not much of a coon hunter no more, but still a good friend of ours. Uh, I don't really know the full details. I mean, I know my dad bought her from him. We'd go hunting with him, and uh, he didn't want to sell. I didn't want to sell, and then he'd say, well, I need to sell. Y'all will do more for him than I'm going to, and one thing led to another, and we finally was able to get that done. Yeah, she was nice. I hunted with her. I think it was there. Was that down at Phillips? Uh, yeah, down at Phillips. Yeah, yes, and I liked the way she got, the way she moved around. And she was a oh, loner, yeah, was nice. and loner and a good tree dog. And yeah, she was yep. for sure. Good mouth, good honest strike dog. She she was really nice. Well, as a lot of people do, you know, I I hunted plot dogs, and I used to tell people I was hunting under a. a government grant like old dr jaycox was years ago <laughs> i was they were about to go extinct and the government was putting up money if i'd keep hunting them you know <laughs> keep them from going extinct but anyway um you know i eventually got a walker dog and uh, had a little female out of silver dollar stone and mill creek molly I got her that January after they made a big splash. Molly won her second truck and Stone had won the world hunt and all that. And I enjoyed her a lot and then didn't have any, went back to the plots and then got a, picked up a walker dog or two here in the last two or three years. And the jury's still out on all that. But anyway, uh, you guys kind of switched over a little bit here. Uh, as of late yeah. yeah I bought a really nice dog from Randy Smith that, that you know about you was there when I bought him I was and, um, Mew and he he was a really a good one but he just didn't adapt to our country yeah you know over at Randy's you know he was really really great but uh, oh, yeah. beaver beaver ponds and stuff around here he was really good but our, that big creek we hunt on he just never he never was at home and he didn't like them pine, them pine diggers and cutovers. Them cutovers, cutovers and pine diggers. Now you know you hunting the golf course down there now. Oh Alabama. yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's easy oh, yeah. yeah. If we would have had as good a hunting as Randy Smith's guy, he would have never left my house. Yeah, because he boy and them thick thick cones, he could really look good. Well, I have to make a distinction here for these listeners that, that they hear me talking about Randy Smith. Well, that's the Walker man, the Lone Pine guy in Pennsylvania. But the other Randy Smith is, is uh, uh, he may not be as famous as the one in Pennsylvania, but I, I, uh, I don't believe there's a harder coon hunter anywhere or a better dog man or a better trainer of, of no, coon No, he's as good, good, a, good a man and dog man and trainer and all the above. Absolutely, good good man, good dog man, good trainer, and, yeah, woodsman. Uh, absolutely, Randy is is a, a a great story. A few years ago, he had cancer, and uh, people were worried about him. You know, but he's tough, man. He oh yes, tough. And yeah, it comes he comes up, it. huh? He beat it. He did for sure, and thank goodness he did. I enjoy, uh, my listeners know, and, you know, we go to the White River every year, Nubbin and I, and I started going with him and when Mr. Fred Sanders was there and, and Frog Hayes and Kenneth, uh, uh, oh, don't let me forget Kenneth's last name. 
Uh, oh, I knew Kenneth real well. He was yeah. a great guy. I can't remember his last name. Oh, man, name. why does that not coming to me right now? It'll come in just a second, fellas. Just hang on. But yep. anyway, I, I just started hunting over there, and then first thing you know, here come Randy Smith along and brought along Morris Hardy with him, and Morris is such a great, great guy, and enjoy that. And then you and Trey yes, joined us the last two or three years. And yeah, we just have glad a, to do I, that. Glad y'all invited us to come over because that's that's a great group of guys over there. Oh boy, we do have a good time. Keith Durk, you yes, can't rem, uh, forget yes, our sir. resident Yankee, you know. No sir. And uh, what good we're times gonna have, we we're gonna have one outcast. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Durkey's a, a great guy. We Clint, uh, oh, yes. Chase, and I mentioned him here on the podcast last week, but. Uh, uh, yep, he's had some good dogs too. Yeah, for sure. And and uh, well, that's coon hunting, and that's uh, th- that's what makes it so great for me. And that's where my pleasure is in this sport of the people I meet. And uh, all right, let's talk about these uh, Walker dogs. We're going to have to get into that. Uh, we'll <laughs> postpone it as long as we can. So <laughs> I'll let I'll let Trey handle that. Uh, well, oh, I. Boy. S- Trey is very active on Facebook. Oh, yes. Uh, and Trey has gotten kind of a reputation of being hard to please. Yeah. Is there any truth very. to that? Yes. Yeah, they, say the, they say the same thing around work, so I guess it's true. <laughs> and you are working in the family business too, aren't you, Trey? Uh, yes, sir. That's right. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, listen, what um, – I. I know the answer to this probably, but why did you decide to get into these walker dogs? I mean, I don't know. It just seemed like the black and tan breed as a whole, and everybody will pretty much agree, just falling off, you know, not what it used to be, and just couldn't find the dog that suited us that we liked. And I just finally said, hey, look, I coon hunt. I don't care what it looks like. I just want to go tree coons and, and like hunting. You know what if it yeah. I do color don't matter to me, you know, it used to, and I would like to have a good black dog, you know, just like my dad would, but at the same time, I want something I like to hunt, I feel like can compete, or ought to be able to. I'd add something to that, if my Carol were still alive, we'd probably still have a good black dog. (laughs) Yeah, well, that, that makes all the difference in the world, somebody that's just, you know. Of course, Mike lives in a great, or did. Oh, yeah. Cherish his memory, but he lived in a great place there. I couldn't believe it when I first came home from the military in 1973, and my dad had a, a a pretty nice young plot dog that I hunted at plot days, and we saw 26 coons in three nights hunting there out of Florida. Wow. And I thought, my land, that's a lot of coons, you know. Of course, I didn't have first and un- <laughs> first under every one of them. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and uh, that, that sure makes a big difference. Well, what I enjoy about you guys is the com- uh, there's a little bit of competition between father and son. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's always got his favorite. I always got my favorite. <laughs> yeah, and I, I read the, the, the posts, and, and oh, I don't try to bother you too much, Jamie, because I know how busy you are. Uh, so our conversations are usually pretty short, but always enjoyed. And uh, yes, sir. you'll say something about Trey's dog or 
uh, you know, Buster did this and, and uh, Wall Street did that or whatever. You, what was yep. the other one you had before Wall Street, Trey? Uh, uh, Boomer, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Boomer and Buster are the ones that you had at White River last year. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. I thought it was kind of funny. I can take my licks, you know. Uh, at one time when they decided to get out of there, we was hunting over around Kansas Lake, and they decided to go to Holly Grove or somewhere, <laughs> Lawrenceville or somewhere over there on the highway, and we had to go around and get them and all. And Jamie, you said something about old Buster being treated uh, that that plot pup of mine was in there on a tree. I think Mark went and got him, but. Said you said old Buster been treed there for a long time, but <laughs> that that rascal, rascal will go, won't he? Oh yeah, he's got a little too much to go. I believe if if you could hunt him eight nights a week, he'd be a lot better. You know, as far as not as much go, but you know, a working man can't wear him down. Well, now he's a wipeout bred dog, isn't he? Or is he? No, no, he's not. He's not a hillbilly knot. Oh, okay. A female called uh, I think it's Layton's Quick Trip, I believe. Okay. All right. I'm not sure how she's bred. I don't remember that, but I know he's on a hillbilly night and made a quick trip. How old is he now? He's four. He turned four in April, I, I believe. I got you. I got you. He's the dog when a couple of years ago, Nubbin and I took a hunt with you boys. Was it the night before Autumn Oaks or night before White River or what was it? We went over there and you just got him, I think. Uh, maybe we, we got him in the early spring or early summer, um, when he was a two year old. Okay. All right. That so might've been when we were going to autumn Oaks, maybe. I don't yeah, know. probably so. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So Trey, what about this new dog you got? Wall Street. Um, yeah, he came from a friend of mine, um, Cress Hardeman over there in Georgia. You know, everybody calls him Tootsie. Everybody knows Cress about, about yep. uh, his uh, Jed dog and uh, yeah, he's Jeb. Great, I'm a yeah. great friend of mine, you know. Um, Produced the through, Josie uh, Wales dog and, yeah. and several more good ones. Yeah, yeah. I actually, um, I've become friends with him through um, my buddy Spencer Anderson and Travis Carlock. We all mm-hmm. kind of talk weekly now and stuff. I consider them my good friends. And, uh, yeah. I don't know. I bought the Marv dog from, uh, Tootsie, you know, a few years back and, um, ended up selling him to Heather Island. I think they still got him. And then, uh, you know, they was just talking, hunting the Marv dogs up, but it's kind of an older dog and wanting out of their stuff. But That's the one that do a Murphy hunt to some, right? Yes. The Marv mm-hmm. dog. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we got, you know, I kind of got to asking about Wall Street because they wasn't really hunting him in very many hunts. It seemed like any time anybody took him, he won, you know. May not win the whole thing, but he'd get the money, you know. And, uh, you know, they when he was down here, you know, Tootsie had him in Georgia hunting him, and he done a lot of winning. I said, well, if he can win over in them swamps, he can do good around here, you know. Because mm-hmm. he come to Indiana, a lot of times that transition's tough on a dog. Yep. And my friend Travis Carlock, you know, they had him up in Illinois, and he, you know, he liked the dog a lot. And he told me two or three different times, hey, we're not really hunting him much. We got these nice young dogs out of Jeb, and he's on the back burner, and Tootsie said he may sell. Well, I called Tootsie. How? Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure if I want to do that or not. 
No, I won't price him. We'll just pop him <laughs> right on for two or three months, you know, and be asking him every week or two. Because, you know, if I get on to something that I want, that's what I'm going to do at least until I get a price, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, either <laughs> buy it or run me off one. And, uh, <laughs> you know, if two or three weeks, Martin Travis would tell me the same thing. And I'd say every time I call him, he tells me now that ain't right. Well, he told me that one day, so I called, took him back, and we talked and talked, and I don't really want to sell him, and don't really want to sell him, and one thing led to another, and I finally said, well, I'm going to keep calling, do you tell me you're going to sell? I said, because Travis is telling me one thing, you're telling me another, and you know, we finally just come to an agreement on it. Yeah, well, good for you. Now, is he out of jail? No, he's out of big money. Oh. I don't know what female. Okay, and what female? He, I, I'm pretty sure. Don't quote me on this. He's related to Jeb somehow. I think mm-hmm. maybe, I think maybe on his, I think his mom might be related to him or something like that. Yeah. Well, I probably he's, shouldn't. He's related get in. to Jeb, but I don't know exactly. Right. Yeah. I'm. I'm not as up to date on those pedigrees as I should be. Mm-hmm. But uh, well, that's great. But that's the only reason I was able to get him. I believe if he would have been out of Jeb, I don't think I would ever been able to get mm-hmm. him. Right. Right. Well, um, what's the 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 old man here? The how old are you, Jamie? Fifty nine. Oh my goodness! I got you by nearly nearly uh, twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> now, what are you thinking about all this Walker stuff? I mean, you just rolling with it, or are you still looking for a black dog, or what? Are you oh, thinking? I'm still looking for a black dog. Mm-hmm. I got you. Well, you know it's funny how these dogs would kind of get next to us. You know, kind of it's kind of what you start out with. You know, I guess. Oh yes. And that's the way it was with me with these old plot dogs. But I didn't have any choice. You know, that's what my dad kept. If I yep. wanted to hunt, that's what there was to hunt right there. You know, so uh, and uh, and I was lucky enough to be able to have some dogs that in the plot breed that were cold-nosed and were locating tree dogs, you know, because yes, a lot of them had been bred strictly for big game and hunting off of baits and things like that, you know. But so anyway, but, yeah, they get close to us, you know, and it seems like the first one that we had is 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 the one we tend to, to like to stick with. But uh, Oh, yes. Well, what are you what are you thinking about the competition game today? I mean, uh, what's your general thoughts on the way things are going? Are you happy with the way these new organizations, Pro Sport, for instance, and we got PKC uh, kind of getting in the groove with these bigger hunts, hundred thousand dollar hunts, and all this stuff? What what's all that feel like oh, yeah. to you guys? I, re- I really like it, but. Uh... Yeah, I'm not so crazy about the style of the dog, even though Buster's that that style, you know, wild and crazy and hunts too hard and, you know, won't honor another dog and stuff like that. But uh, Pro Sport is, um, has put on a lot of good truck hunts and, you know, other hunts and stuff. But uh, the no, lead, no leash slot rule, you know, that, rule, that, that rule's an old man like myself, fattening out of shape out and – it mm-hmm. just uh, just won't work very well in our country. And I could see in some countries where it works great, but mm-hmm. in our country, that just you know that just don't work very well. 
Well, you hear guys talk about how much they like that because everybody goes to every tree, you know, and they yeah, like that I like feature. That. I like that. Of it. Yeah. Yes. I love but that. But I'm with you. You know, but now you would, walk yourself to death. Exactly. You know, when I was with UKC and made the transition to PKC, that was in about 1998. And we start, I started going to some PKC hunts in Michigan. I still live there. When when I went to work for PKC, Larry Meeks let me stay in Michigan, so I didn't have to move my family and all that. And uh, I began to see the emergence of this dog that we have today. Uh, and I wish I could think of this dog's name, but there was one over around Reading uh, on Steadway. I seem like I want to say the dog's name was Rip or Rowdy or something like that. But he was one of these, you know, that was never with another dog. And you just turn him around at the tree, this butt sticking right against the tree, and just aim him whichever way you want him to go. And he shot out there like a cannon. Well, that sucker about walked me to death one night, you know. And and I could see that that kind of, you know, and now I hear you guys and I watch the videos and all. Uh, you And it's, I've kind of made a comment in the past that those videos can get kind of boring because all you're watching is somebody's backside walking, you know. Yep. Walk, 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 walk all night long. It's a great exercise plan, I guess, but it's not It's not for an old man like me, that's for sure. Uh, me either. About to leave me by the wayside, too. Well, it, it's a sobering thought, Jamie, when you get to that position that you and you realize, as I have, that I just can't do it anymore. Yeah, well, he's gonna get back in. He's gonna get back in shape. He's got a few hearts to him with Buster for long. I'm, I'm mapping you, him some out. You gonna put him on a program, Trey? Yeah, I'm gonna put him on the road. I'm mapping <laughs> some out. Well, I say, I saw Jamie jogging down the road. There, Trey was on the side by side. Yeah, <laughs> had the shot collar out. <laughs> But you know that is a sobering thing for a hunter that's hunted all their life, like I have, and and I, it it you know. But that's just all part of the stage in life, and you're fortunate to have Trey there. You guys can, be, oh, yeah. you know, and and that's the way with some of these younger fellows that I'm kind of buddying with now. The boy in Virginia, Keston, and Mark over in North Carolina, and all you know, and I get to stay involved in the sport. You know, with my name oh, yes. on a dog and and that sort of thing, but yeah, well, what's the plans for the future? You got any big hunts coming up that you're going to be making uh, here coming up soon? Uh, you know, be honest with you, I just don't really care about traveling no hunts when it's real hot. Right, work's kind of busy and stuff. Yeah, I'm probably just going to wait till the weather starts breaking, maybe in the early fall or so. I mean, I probably ain't going to say we'll hit another one, but that's the plan before I start hitting anymore. Yeah, my um, buddy just got on me about and he got all this money in these dogs and this pleasure dogs and stuff. I said, hey, when the time's right, I'll go. Oh, y'all don't worry about that. And the dogs are going to be just fine, you know. Oh, yeah. You may have you know, to get them a little bit. Hot, you know. Yeah. Not as much as I like to, or you know, yeah. it's just tough down here at work, and I didn't, you know, struggling tree coons and don't get dark at nine o'clock. Get home at eleven or twelve. Back up at six. You know, it mm. gets kind of old. 
Well, I when I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, I learned right then that I didn't want to be a summer hunter anymore. I hunted in the summertime all summer through in Michigan, and it's hot up there, and it's there's a lot of bugs and all. But I, I just got to the point that that intense heat and that 85 degrees at 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night is not for me. And oh, no, that's I don't not even fun. try to do it anymore. I really don't, but... Uh, I saw where Mr. Wimp Aaron over in Mississippi there is 90 years old now. Yes, and sir. And he's still coon hunting. Yes, sir. Still coon hunting. That amazes me. And it oh, inspires yes. me to want to do more and, and do, you know, and because uh, it's a young man's game, though, Trey. I mean. Uh, you, I agree. I mean, I, it, I get gutted, too, out there on them hunts, you know. Well, you'd have to. I mean, tell me a coon hunter's not an athlete, huh? <laughs> yep. He's a, he can do it all, man. He, he walks those balance beams, sometimes crossing a log over a creek, climbs fences, ends up upside down. I've been into some messes, man, coon hunting. Oh, yes. <laughs> yep, I have, have too, for sure. All? Yes. Sir. Well, fellas, I tell you, we—I guess we pretty well shined this tree. We've been at it about an hour and four minutes here. Um, it's been a great visit. What do we need to talk about? That we didn't talk about Jamie. Uh, just, just the love of coon hunting and all the friends you know we've met through it and lifelong friends. I mean, you know, just—I don't know. I get those are some of my best friends in life. You know, some of the folks that live out of the state and all and you only see a couple of times a year you know you talk to them fairly regular and all and just you know just just a sorority like yep yep fraternity a sorority whatever you want to call it it's a it's yep. a, a a fellowship of people of like minds i don't know it's whether we know that we're kind of on the bottom rung of the ladder when it comes to to you know hunting sports deer hunting and turkey hunting and all that are a lot more glamorous and oh, yes. duck hunting but i don't think those guys could possibly have as much fun as we do out there in the in the dark and especially when you can drop in the birmingham and fellow call you up and say come on over i'm gonna buy you dinner and i'm gonna take you coon hunting and and uh, I've been uh, privileged to uh, enjoy your hospitality over the years, Jamie, and I really, and you and Trey both, and I really want to publicly say I appreciate that very much. And uh, Yes, sir. We, we've had several invites to come to Florida. We just hadn't made it yet. Well, we need you, need, you need to do it. You need to do it. Yep. But I would not recommend July, August, or September. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's too hot down here right now, man. You go outside, I'd say it many times, it's like sticking your head in the oven to check on the pizza. That's what it feels like. <laughs> oh, yes. When, yep. when you open yep. the door. Well, so... Uh, you guys, I want to touch on this just real quick before we go. You, you're not real big into fooling with pups, are you? No, sir. No. I, no, I just don't have the patience. Trey don't have the patience. I sure don't. I like to stuff. If I don't like it, it's gone. <laughs> I, I, I swore <laughs> off. Now, what if your daddy had done you that way, Trey? 
Oh, come on. <laughs> he'd, have made, he'd have made him a big mistake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I swear. No I doubt. No doubt. Well, I know that it's not – raising puppies is not for everybody, you know. Oh, and, no. Uh, and uh, so that's – I guess that's why the price of good young dogs is, has gotten so high. Uh, yep. I, but, was, I wish I had the knack for it, but I don't. Yeah, yeah. Well – I, I always enjoyed training pups. In fact, uh, I guess I'd have had a lot better dogs if I'd let somebody else train them. But I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I always did enjoy that. You know, he just I just hunt whatever we bred, pick one out of the litter, and try to make something out of it. You know, but yes, sir. But but you know, when your expectations are not real high, you know, you can be sad. <laughs> you can be satisfied with. With a lot less sometimes. Well, listen, I sure hope there's another Annie in your future, uh, Jamie, because I know you love the black dogs. And Trey, I'm looking for you. I know you've been in Final Fours and, and stuff. I'm looking for you to win a big one. I know you will. Uh, yeah, I hope so. We haven't been able to seal the deal lately, but we tried. Well, you're you're knocking on the door, so it's just it's just a matter of time. That was Mickey Mouse telling us it's time to get off here. That's my Apple Watch. I thought, I thought that was your coon dog. <laughs> <laughs> now he's running around here in the house. Ella's doxing Louie. He, uh, he he's yeah, running around. He's a black and tan, Jamie. He's black uh, and tan. <laughs> I thought I thought that might have been old fever. <laughs> yeah, well, old Fever's come on with a little better mouth than he had back last year. He's, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been keeping up with him. Sounds like he's doing good. Fever's doing pretty good. He he needs a cup. Uh, well, he's, he needs a few wins to be grand. He's got two, and uh-huh. he uh, he's got you about some age on him. Yeah, I think that's going to be it. He's got uh, right at. He's knocking on the door. Needs. I think $35 to be a PKC champion now, and so hopefully uh-huh. we can get uh, – Oh, Mark is, is a smart handler, though. He really uh-huh. is. He thinks about things. You know, he's much more uh-huh. of an analyst. Like, he analyzes situations, and I'll tell uh-huh. him a little bit. He said – told me last night he's on the way to hunt, and – little bit, he texted me back and said, well, on the way back home, I said, well, boy, that was quick. What happened? He said, well, when you got the other three guys is all riding in the pickup truck, you know you don't have too much chance <laughs> on an open event gas like yes. that. He said, I just thought I'd save us $35. <laughs> so I don't know. No names are disclosed here yep. to protect the innocent. Or not? Yes, sir. But anyway, he's a good partner for me, and I. And I oh yeah, he's a good yeah, guy. He is. Yes, I've enjoyed meeting him out there in Arkansas. I don't know if he liked Arkansas much. No, but, he didn't. So I, like, I like his company. He told my nubbin, I think one day he said, "I can't wait to get back home out of this mud." He said, "I'm tired of wallowing <laughs> around in this mud." He said, "Yeah, yeah I knew he didn't like it. Never seen no mud like California." He, he's a mountain boy. <laughs> Yeah, over the mountains. That's right. That's right. Well, we're going. I'm going to probably bring another one out. He'll he'll hang with us. I tell you, this Keston Jesse from Southwest Virginia. Yes, sir. He's a good boy. Our kind of folks. I want y'all to meet him. So sounds great. One 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 Arkansas tale about Mark. Well, while we're on that subject, yeah. You know what? 
whenever we and all went that one night together, me, you, Mark, Nubbins, we all went. I'm getting a little bit of feedback on the phone. Is uh, have Can you, you moved, Trey? For a second, but I'm back where I was at now. Okay, let's try that again. Uh, one night, me and you and uh, Mark and uh, Nevin, we all went together. Yeah, that's and, uh, uh, we're having trouble with that. Can you just go pick up your dad's phone, maybe, and see if that's the problem? What about now? Can you hear me now? Yeah, that's much better. Yeah, that one night that out there in Arkansas this past winter that um, me, you, and Mark and uh, Nevin went, you know, um, I was treated out there. I think it was later on in the hunt, and I was kind of gassed. So me and Mark said, "We'll go get them." Yeah. And, you know, everybody that's been around Mister Moore in the last few years, you know, they know he took a walking stick with him, a wooden walking stick. Yep. Always got it with him. We're walking to the dogs. We ain't left the side by side long. And the dog starts barking in the box. Well, I mean, this out of nowhere, the god off his racket. You, know, you ever heard your life? That was back at the side by side of Mark. Whoa, what what was that? I said, oh, that was just nabbing in the top of that dog box. I've heard him do it a hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't make it the dog to be quiet in the box. So. I said, I've heard that a hundred times. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Uh, he's, he thought Bigfoot was after him probably out there. One he, of didn't, he didn't know what that was, and I, mean, I never missed a beat. <laughs> oh, boy. We had, we had a good time out there, that's for sure. We always yeah, do. I'm looking and, forward to it again. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, me too. It, somebody asked me about that long drive and all. I said, well, I, I split it up. You know, I always come by and stay with Nubbin and Becky one night, and then we drive out the next day, and that kind of breaks it up for me. But it's worth it if I had to drive it all the way. It's honestly a week of fun, I mean, every day. Absolutely. And we eat pretty good, too, don't we? Oh, yes. Wonderful. (laughs) Well, fellas, it's been great to visit with you, and I know you're both very busy, and it's going to be getting dark. Are you going tonight? Yeah, I believe we are. It's doing a little playing here, but I think it'll be all right. Yeah. Well, that's good, and I'll be watching for you uh, on Facebook and in the funny papers, as you say. And uh, <laughs> we don't have any magazines anymore. Well, you still got Pro no. Now. Yeah, ain't uh, much left of it, but it's still coming. Yeah, yeah. So times they are changing, but uh, we're going to keep sure. on doing this as long as we can, I guess, aren't we? Yes, sir. That's all we know. That's right. Well, folks, I'm going to have to wrap this up for this episode. We've been talking with Jamie Perrin of Birmingham, Alabama, and his son, Trey Perrin. They are coon hunters, I guarantee you. We've enjoyed the visit with them, and I'm proud to call each of these guys my friends. And uh, we hope to have more of these type of conversations on Gone to the Dogs uh as we go along because to me that's what the sport's all about if anybody asks you where's fielder hanging out this days tell him he's down there around birmingham with those parent <laughs> boys they've gone to the dogs yes sir 